Welcome to The Goods, a film podcast. This is Brian presiding over game night. Who else is here? Hey, Brian. This is Dan, as usual. And we have a couple of other guests with us. It's a very special episode. Who else do we have here? Well, we have a returning guest, I think his fourth time on the pod. And that is my little brother, Will. How you doing, Will? I'm doing well. I think it's actually my fifth time, if you... Put them all together. It's because it was Tokyo Drifter. They live in the mood for love and the anime sampler platter. So yeah, this is my fifth time on here. Wow, good memory. Well, and then for the first time ever, real treat. Listeners have been waiting for this. The oft-mentioned, very beloved spouse of mine, my wife, Katie. Hello. I'm glad to be here. They said... Brian's coming over to play a game. And I said, cool, that sounds fun. And here I am. Well, welcome. I appreciate it. We needed at least three people to play one of these games. So I had to pull some strings. Mostly I relied on Dan. So thank you. (laughs) Because listeners, we're very nearly to Halloween. And so for my big real deal Halloween episode, I put together something of a high concept episode. This is VHS Game Night. So we are throwing it back to the narrow window of time in which people experimented making interactive films on VHS tapes. We were watching some trailers for them on YouTube, and there was a uh, video for one to take place in the far future that was labeled with the, the scary... Distant future of 2021. Hydro sub 2021. But the one that we have selected to start off with was a VHS game called The Rescue of Pops Ghostly. And we just sat down and we watched it because it wasn't very long. What would you say was the running time? Uh, 19 minutes, including the essential calibration screen that opens it, and then closing credits and trailers after the credits. Right, trailers for the like other four games that ever came out <laughs> for this system. Because this was a release for the Action Max, which was a very loosely, I guess you could call this a video game console. But it came out in 1987, and what it amounted to was a sensor that you set on top of your VCR that had like a seven segment display on it. And the games were cassette tapes of which maybe five or six total titles. And you put the tape in the VCR and it's got this calibration screen. And then there's some narrative on the tape, which runs like 20 minutes. And it's a VHS tape, 
So a recurring theme tonight is going to be, it plays out exactly the same every single time. It's never going to be any different. A, a tape is a tape is a tape. Some Something I got to interject here. So whenever we say the word calibrations, what it makes me think of is in Mass Effect 2. So the structure of the Mass Effect games is you go on a mission and you have like a, an, an hour to two hour long mission and then you return to your spaceship. It's a space sci-fi RPG type game. And then when you're on your spaceship in between missions, you can go and talk to different characters. And sometimes they have new bits of dialogue, like character development, or they'll give you a mission that you can go on. But very often in between missions, they don't have anything to say to you. And there's this one character named Garrus. And in Mass Effect 2, he only has a couple of dialogues between missions. But every time he doesn't have a dialogue, you go walk to him. And he, he'll say, can I wait for a bit? I'm in the middle of some calibrations. And so it became a meme that Garrus is always calibrating. And it's so annoying that he tells you over and over again that he's calibrating. Just stop calibrating. You're over calibrating, Garrus. Knock it off. So I, I laugh a little bit inside whenever I see the word calibrations. So I guess he's playing Action Max. He, maybe he, that's what he's doing. He's playing Action Max in between those missions. What the Action Max game reminded me of are those like... I always closely associate them with movie theaters, but like House of the Dead, like an early home version of those light gun arcade games. You guys ever get any mileage out of those ones? A little bit, but you're exactly right, because every title on this console is an on-rail shooter light gun game. That's the sole genre on the Action Max. You didn't have many options, but it was <laughs> press play on a video and point a stick at the screen. Right. I mean, this is less interactive than Duck Hunt, because in that game, the ducks will take different paths sometimes. Not so here. Always going to be the same program unfolding on screen. But the way the so-called game works is whenever a target comes on the screen, it has a little white circle imposed on it, on the target. that moves around to follow frame by frame where the target goes. And it flickers white, black, white, black, white, black, at a quick rate, like frame by frame. Alternating frames are one color or the other. And there's also a little icon in the corner of the screen that's flashing at the same rate. Now, if it's an enemy target, the circle in the corner and the circle on the target are going to be opposite colors. If it's an allied target, the colors are gonna match. And so depending on where your gun is pointing and when you press the trigger, it's going to search for that flashing circle and it will know if you've hit an enemy or an ally. An enemy adds a point to your score, an ally detracts a point. And that's it. That's the whole system. It's probably a rare collectible at this point. I feel like it wouldn't be too hard to homebrew this console. And I have homebrewed the games. So join our Discord listeners, and I'm going to drop the Action Max game that I made in our supplemental media section. All right, so you can get an Action Max VCR console original VHS game box styrofoam complete. What? Who does not just the box? Okay, it looks like the whole thing for $70, $72 plus $30 shipping. So we're talking about $100. 
That would be an interesting thing to own someday, Brian. Well, I spent $60 on the other game we're going to play, so maybe next year we can play Hydra Sub 2021. In the year 2024. Yeah, it would have been apropos a couple years ago. I've yeah. been, you know, thinking about this one for a while, this episode, so it took a while to get all the pieces together. So, should we talk about what Pops Ghostly is? We should, <laughs> but the thrust of it, the gist of it, is at the start... It's like a suburban street and these kids are walking their dog and the dog runs off and in through the door of a haunted house and the kids follow it inside. Then what happens? The ghostly family appears. This quote unquote narrative takes all of like 10 seconds at the start (laughs) of the film. Yeah, I think I forgot. Quote unquote film. I think I had forgotten that it happened by the time the shooting actually started, so... It's thin. It's sparse. Also, what happens after they enter the house kind of melts your brain a little bit. This family of friendly ghosts pops up, and everything is like a puppet, like a marionette puppet. Which is why this game is the best one on the system, because all the others have, like, mannequins or real human actors, but not so much the puppets and there's a ton of green screen effects too here in pops ghostly but what the ghostlies tell you uh, this family is pops ghostly mom's ghostly and their son gordy ghostly which is a pretty good name where is gordy on the list of potential names for if we ever had a son katie (laughs) (laughs) i guess it depends how pumpkin shaped his head is (laughs) Doesn't Gordy just mean fat in Spanish? I think it's Gordo. Gordo. Uh, Gordo. Short for Gordon, maybe? Yeah. On The Simpsons, they have Gordy Howe, who was a real hockey player. He's the guy that Bart takes his, his like, headshot out of an old sports almanac and uses it to catfish Krabappel. That's Strap some... on your skates, Gordy. You're going in. <laughs> That's some deep Simpsons lore. But what the family tells you is that their house is being haunted and not by friendly ghosts like them, but I guess demonic style bad ghosts, you know, like whatever it is in paranormal activity. This is what's taken over. And they say they throw fireballs. That's the that's the threat they pose. Did they say anything else about why there are other ghosts and why they are different from them? I don't recall them saying anything other than that they are here. Not you're right. We need the prequel film, <laughs> like the Pops Ghostly cinematic universe. Yeah, is Pops Ghostly a reliable narrator? <laughs> like, or is he just? Is this like a, a race war between? The oh ghosts? wow! See, I was going a different direction with this in my head, Canon. I was thinking it was like the Ghostly family is just squatters in the house, and they're like acting like they own the house, but actually the demon ghosts are the enforcers trying to. <laughs> kick them out of the house or something like that. I don't know. I like that. Well, I was thinking maybe the the Pops ghostly families are the most recent ghosts who have taken residence and all the other ghosts are the previous ghosts and now they're fighting about who gets to control the haunted house. Yeah. Maybe over time the ghosts become like more animalistic. Like they lose their humanity with the ages. Maybe Pops is just a violent and cruel dictator among all the other <laughs> supernatural creatures. The he other, just puts on a kind facade. The goblin coup is uh, occurring. And <laughs> do you think there's any Pops ghostly fanfic? Well, they say there's there's fanfiction of everything on the internet. 
And my answer is still no. There's not any <laughs> mom's ghostly mom's ghostly gone wild. Oh no. <laughs> What kind I, of a nickname is Moms? I've I've never heard that. I've heard Pops before. Good question. Moms. I don't know. It's to me that just sounds like the plural for multiple moms. moms. Yeah. <laughs> but we're I, we are now again about forty five seconds into the. <laughs> it's okay. You don't need to do a lot of recap for what comes next. But tell us a little bit about the kind of thing that we see past this. What passes for exposition? Sure. So we get we get this little intro segment, and then it just throws us into, I guess like a tour of the haunted house. Although it's the layout is is kind of incoherent if it is indeed all inside the same house. But it's just these little green screen segments where we see like the background of like a creepy room, and then. This really weird, I don't even know like what technology it is of ghosts that are like half translucent, like double exposure, stretching and moving around the frame and like something you would make in Windows Movie Editor in 2005. But this was done in 1987, so I'm not even quite sure how they did it, but it's just like these uh, various horror creatures some of them are like puppets, like Brian said. Some of them are, I don't know, what are some of the other things that we see? Goblin skeletons. Yeah, strong representation from the goblin faction. There's yeah. also these kind of hybrid skeletal ghosts that are ghostly but with bones as well. Mm-hmm. And, so, and the face, the CGI face. So Katie said... When we were maybe 10 minutes into it, out of the 15 minutes of actual gameplay runtime, she said, tag yourself. And so we had to claim which of the supernatural creatures we would be if we were characters in the Pops Ghostly universe. Like imagining ourselves as insert characters here. <laughs> and so I, I took claim of the goblin head. He's this red head. Looks like CGI might just be kind of plasticky or something. I don't know. It kind of looks like the front of a Chinese dragon. And it kind of comes up towards you and has got a grimace look on it. It's, it stands out a little bit. It, just giving me, giving a more uh, emotional expression. That's why I kind of related to Mr. Red Goblin. But he has kind of a laugh to him too, doesn't he? Like, does he cackle? <laughs> he has a very chompy mouth. Much like me. So, <laughs> Will, who did you claim? I said I wanted to be the goblin skeleton, which is just a little skeleton, but it also has bone ears. So ears aren't bones. I don't know why they's like if they're trying to represent something as skeletal. They always showed the bones, but like you know, other than a human skull, I mean. Yeah, I really hate that the bone ears. I have a lot of those skeleton animals, and yeah, would you put ears on a human skeleton? No, you wouldn't. It's like they don't trust the populace. Are, are people not going to know that a horse skeleton is a horse if it doesn't have ears on it? Mm. To be fair, would you have been able to identify these small skeletons as goblins rather than little men or something like that if they did not have oh, the spiky ears? I love this goblin skeleton. It's the best character, but Will dibsed it before I could get it. So I'm going to take goblin number two, who is less skeletal but still does the floppy limb marionette dance. And yeah, these things just waggle at you all over the screen. <laughs> they get closer, they get further away. Occasionally, 
they're edited in such a way that they're kind of interacting with the background, like one runs up the stairs and it kind of disappears into the, the zero point perspective. If you need some waggle factor in your life, I would say go hunt out the rescue pop of Pops Ghostly. Eight out of eight. Called. Waggle. <laughs> I, Is it waggle? I tagged myself as one of the stretchy ghosts. Well, A, because of the stretchy effects that Dan was telling us about. But B, I really want to know, like, what is the beef here between the ghosts and the other ghost family? Like, who is the evil one? So you think there's some, like, hidden backstory and that the the linchpin to it is Stretchy Ghost. You think he's the guy who's got, he's holding the lore captive. (laughs) That's the one. Yeah. I like that. One effect they do is they have like a track mat or something. And so characters will appear. They'll like slide out from behind something and then slide back behind it. And so there's like a little line that's a barrier that that cuts off the, the, the mask. There are two of what I would call plot twists in this <laughs> cinematic experience film, if you will. I'm not sure I will, but anyways, uh the first plot twist is, OK, we're in spooky land. All is going well. All of a sudden we're in like a black hole vector <laughs> graphics tunnel flying through space. Like, what the hell? I thought we were in a haunted house. Now, we're, where are we now? I'm glad you caught that. When I watched this the first time, that blew my mind because you're going <laughs> kind of on an upward trajectory up through the house. Like you start in the parlor and then you're going through the kitchen and then you go up the stairs and you're upstairs and then you end up in the attic. Where where can we go from here? Suddenly you're in space. The other dimension, the the semi-reality. Yeah. But the there's an even better plot twist too. So so you're yeah, you're in the the liminal space between one attic room and another attic room for 60 seconds or something. And then now you're back in, again in another attic room. And here there's a bike. So we got to talk about the bike. <laughs> Is this a plot twist? I mean, okay, tell us what happens with the bike, Dan. So first of all, you see the bike, but you're not sure if it's a bike. You're just seeing the wheel. And so we were debating as we were watching, what, what's up with the wheel? Is it like a, a Sleeping Beauty spinning wheel where someone's going to prick themselves? Or and then Will, no. Will, what did you see? You, I, I said it's an upside down bike, I'm pretty sure, <laughs> spinning on it. Because we saw the pedal. I said, I think there's a pedal to the right there. Yeah. And then one of the characters, so by the way, this whole time there's like eepy creepy music in the background and no dialogue, but like some noises. And then when the bike comes out, no, now all of a sudden they're like green screening in. Is it one of the goblins? I think it's a goblin. Yeah. And what does he say? What does he say? The goblin's kind of like its feet. It's like pedaling, but I think it's upside down. So it doesn't make much sense. And then Pops Ghostly comes in. No, Gordy. Gordy. Oh, God. (laughs) Gordy comes in and says, hey, no, that's my bike. Except that's not the Gordy voice. Dan, (laughs) what does Gordy sound like? I don't don't remember. What does Gordy sound like? like, That's my bike. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That used to be mine. So maybe this is all is, is, oh, dude, you know what it is? It's Pee-wee. This is a retelling of Pee-wee's Big Adventure, Brian. When did Pee-wee's Big Adventure come out? Like 1985. Okay, so they Oh, because it's the bike. Okay, I see it now. The bikes, yeah, he stole his bike. That's what's causing the chaos. The beef. Yeah. Interesting. So is Gordy Pee-wee then? 
I guess. <laughs> it's all about getting the bike back. But yeah, the soundscape is so much of this experience. The the music, it's a little like Amazing World of Ghosts in that it's just like nonsense vaguely related to ghosts accompanied by a funky soundtrack. Yeah, but in AWOG, it was like just a quasi-intellectual rambling for an hour or however long it was. Here, it's mostly just noises, not much in the way of actual dialogue. But you're right in the sense that none of it actually like sticks to your brain. It just it just kind of comes in and goes out the other side. Right. We've talked a few times about things that wash off your brain, like after last season. And it's more like this washes your brain out your ears or something. But just imagine if you're trying to picture what this is, 20 minutes of somebody like shaking a hand puppet in your face and going, <laughs> Whoa! That, Early on, Brian, you said that it's an issue, that it's the same thing every time. I don't find that to be an issue because the only thing I remember from the 20 minutes is the bike. So if I watched it again, it would be almost a new experience. <laughs> Completely fresh. Yeah. I love when they just forget to put a target on something. So like a puppet goes flying by and there's no circle on it. <laughs> you can't get any points or lose any points if you shoot at that thing. That's a non-combatant in the pop's ghostly <laughs> okay, civil war. That's, that's the medic. Yeah. <laughs> we don't want to violate the, the ghost Geneva Convention <laughs> and start shooting at... Ghost medics. All right. Are we I think we got through it, guys. Okay. Until I track down another uh, Action Max game. But we do have more to discuss tonight. So do we want to think about is Pops Ghostly good or do we want to jump into the game? Yeah, we can do that. We, let's, we're going to rate... We're going to rate... Uh, what's it called? The Rescue of Pops Ghostly? The Rescue of Pops Ghostly. So are we actually rescuing Pops? That's a good question. You're liberating him, I would say. <laughs> From it's, it's, liberating his house. But okay, yeah, yeah. yeah, it's more about, like, we're the exterminators. Is it good as our signature section where we each give the film or the VHS game, as it were, a rating on our eight-point goodness scale, ranging from a one out of eight, which is very not good, to an eight out of eight, toward a good, that's our masterpiece rating. So uh, normally we have the guest go first and the host, and in this case, Brian is the host, go last. I guess we'll do me, Will, Katie, Brian. So is The Rescue of Pops Ghostly good? And I, I don't even know where to get started with this because it's like, it's just, it's not really a film. It's like not something that a normal person would ever watch. And so... There's not much of substance there. I, I'm going to give this a two, a not good, because it's it's an amusing... It, it's 15 minutes, and you could probably get the same experience in about three minutes of it. But uh, I, I was going to just do the obvious one out of eight, because there's really nothing of substance there. But there is some some pleasure to the, the silliness of it. And then out of the blue, there's little bits of weirdness there, like the... The vector graphics thing. It's got almost an avant-garde charm. Not not quite, but a little something to it. So I, I will I won't say I regret the 15 minutes, the 19 minutes we spent watching it, but I, I also don't feel like I'm enlightened or elucidated or will ever be watching it again, except maybe to fast forward to the bike scene again. <laughs> if you want to get to the crux of it. Yeah. Understand the, it. The real meat of the story. 
Will, what about you? Is Pops Ghostly good? I'm in a pretty similar space, except I kind of put a little bit of value on it as a time capsule only, because it's a very, very specific, like, there's video games, but not really kind of uh, place in history where you've got the VHS games and stuff like that. And there's something humorous about the fact that you just press play and point a stick at the uh, screen until you're done. And the music at points was catchy, I suppose. Uh, catchy is the wrong word because I can't remember it. But I remember noting at a couple points, like, oh, this is interesting. And of course, you've got the bike. And there's definitely a level of goofiness around it. But I think I am going to land right there with you at a two. I was considering giving it a three, and then I realized what I was about to say, and <laughs> I went back down to a two, which I think uh, is fair. A two out of eight is a not good. A three out of eight would have been a not not good. Um, Don't get me wrong. This is not good. <laughs> <laughs> Can't forget Gordy either. So, Katie, your first ever rating on the Goods of Film podcast, and really we brought you a special one to be giving that rating to, so... Is Pops Ghostly good, Katie? All right, all I'm saying is you guys put yourselves in this position for my first appearance, but no, there's absolutely no <laughs> redeeming qualities. One, very not good. <laughs> no hesitation. There it is. Laying it all out there. I don't there. know why I watched it. <laughs> all right. Well, if anyone here is going to have some redeeming thoughts, it may be Brian. So, Brian, yes. is Pops Ghostly good? Well, so, I liked what... Will said that this is a specific window in time when think about that the, the console that was big was the Nintendo Entertainment System. So one might think there would be a market for something that has real world graphics compared to, you know, the 8-bit games at the time. And the trade-off is complete loss of any real interactivity. But Pops Ghostly is a vibe. I can't imagine any of the Action Max games being better than this. I guess I just appreciate someone waggling a hand puppet in my face. <laughs> but I'm going to give this a 5 out of 8. Oh Actually, I, I like Pops Ghostly. It's not as good as AWOG, but it, it's good. All right. So would you rather spend 20 minutes <laughs> watching Pops Ghostly or 20 minutes playing the original Super Mario Bros. for the NES? Oh, well, I, that's not a film. <laughs> at all but i mean obviously the original super mario bros is a great game so we would be remiss if we did not mention that brian made his own action max game on on his public access tv show count gauntly and he said oh i'm gonna play one more thing and then he turned it on and so we also watched that and it goes on for four or five minutes and he does a good facsimile of uh, like a, a commando, a military commando. But then we're hunting down vampire aliens, but we can't shoot the witches. The witches are the good guys. And then for some reason, his friend Ben, who plays character Agrat, is writhing around shirtless for the last 30 seconds. I would say it's certainly more erotic than uh, Pops Ghostly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if anything, that's what Pops Ghostly is missing. Gotta see the Gordy remix. So. Sex appeal. <laughs> I think that would have made the Action Max sell. <laughs> action uh, Max with three X's. All I can say is if there had been a 30 second finale where Gordy got like soaked and was rubbing around and writhing around, then maybe bump it up to a three for me. But we didn't quite get there. So 
All right, we're getting silly here. Yeah, and we have more work to do this evening. All right, so we will part for now, and then we got some setup to do, and this should be fun. Now we're back for part two of VHS Game Night. And while I didn't go the whole extra mile and track down a working action max, I was able to spend some money on eBay and bring us a physical copy of this next game, and it's why we have gathered here tonight. Because this is the board game called Nightmare from 1991. It launched a series that we'll talk about. It uh, originated in Australia, and it's one of a number of VHS board games. So, Dan, what's your previous exposure to VHS board games? Pretty much none. Uh, I guess my biggest exposure is that they were lovingly tributed slash mocked in a Community episode. And, of course, Community is one of my favorite shows. So... um, that would probably be the extent of my exposure. I don't even know if I knew they were a thing before I saw that episode. But what about you, Brian? Well, that episode of Community is a big milestone for me as well. It was pretty late in the show's run, but I love to see a VHS board game shout out. And who should be the host of the VHS board game that they play in Community but Breaking Bad creator Vince Gilligan, who as far as I know, like, has he ever acted in anything else? He just suddenly pops in and he's hosting the VHS board game. Interesting. That's fun, yeah. We know Brian will dig any connection to Breaking Bad. That's right. But as far as my past experience, I have played a VHS board game before. So... When I was five years old, I had a VHS called Gargoyles, The Heroes Awaken, which was the first five episodes of the Disney's Gargoyles TV show condensed into feature film length. And at the end of the tape, it said, to play the game, keep watching and get out your board game, which like folded out of the VHS box and had like, you know, your your cardboard game pieces to follow along. So I have done this before. I also have a few that I've acquired over the years and not played yet. I've got one called Isaac Asimov's Robots, the VCR mystery game, and Star Trek The Next Generation, a Klingon challenge. Why didn't you bring that Asimov one tonight? If I hadn't been able to get this with all the pieces, we would have played Isaac Asimov's Robots. (laughs) And I just see an ironic appeal in this format because, again, the tape is only going to play out one way. It's never going to change. So the way that the Gargoyle game worked, and I assume this is going to work, is it's kind of like Candyland. Like you're relying on the, the random powers of fate to send you to the end of the board. And periodically, Vince Gilligan is going to pop up on the tape and yell, Anybody on a blue square, lose a turn! Some, something along those lines. We're, we're basically using a clock like a die or something. Brian, tell us honestly, how many times did you watch the video to memorize all the cues so you can do this? <laughs> to be ready. The ringer. Yeah, it'll be like um, one of those carnival performers, <laughs> uh, you know, who can tell you what's in your pocket. 
And one of the, when I'm playing games with my friends, whenever I start to lose, I always say that they practice this game at home. So Brian, have you been practicing Nightmare at Home? I know when the here? I know when the whammy's coming. Yeah, charging his meter. Yeah. <laughs> but this Nightmare game was originally created in Australia. It was created by a team called A Couple of Cowboys. That was their production studio name. And it sold reasonably well, but uh, I guess in some regions they marketed it as atmosphere. Fear spelled how, Dan? So, good point. I have the rule book right in front of me, and I think in a minute I'll get into some of the treats we have in this rule book. But atmosphere is A-T-M-O-S-F-E-A-R. So it's like atmosphere like the the feeling and the situation but f-e-a-r get it there you go very spooky and so in some territories i guess there was already a game called nightmare so they marketed it as atmosphere alternatively and apparently it sold pretty well and so like each year i'm gonna guess in october they came out with like an expansion pack so there are six central characters players and we're all going to pick one and these characters are known as the harbingers and the harbingers are Gevaudan the werewolf from France, Helen the poltergeist, Khufu the mummy, Baron Samidi the zombie, Anne de Chantrain the witch, and Elizabeth Bathory the vampire. How do we choose our characters? We're just going to just go in the circle and pick it? I will let you go first. Okay. Um, so does it, does it say in the rule book? Let's see. I don't. So I come from a background of like heavy duty strategy games that have like seventy five page rules booklets. This is one sheet of paper, slightly longer than your normal sheet of paper, front and back. So there's not much to it. But let's see. Should I dive into the rules or should we pick our characters first? Well, I'll just quickly say that after The Nightmare came out in 1991, it was like each year they do an expansion pack centered on one of the Harbingers. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then uh, once they got to like the late 90s, the year 2000 or so, they re-released the game uh, called Atmosphere the Gatekeeper, who is our host character. And that was on a DVD. So that was the revolution in interactive film because on a DVD, of course, you had a randomization function. So the game could be different at least a few times. There was also interactivity, so you could press a button at some point. Very true. I feel like like the Nintendo was the actual revolution in interactive. <laughs> Not in home video games. Right. I guess there's a line there. Right. So... Yes. Have you played DVD games before? Anybody? Yeah, I have a distinct memory of like a terrible, like the graphics are really bad. I think it's a Lion King DVD trivia game. And also, for the longest time, I thought the original Lion King had a story sung by, who's the bird in Lion King? Zazu? Yeah, had a song sung by Zazu called The Morning Report, which was apparently only added into the DVD version. And for some reason, the DVD version, as a default, included this extra song that was not in the original uh, VHS version. Yeah, yeah. Same deal with Human again in the DVD release of Beauty and the Beast. 
where it was like a song that was cut and then they decided they were gonna like add animation to it and and add it in for the DVD release. What was the connection there? That there, I don't there know. was also a trivia game. It was it was the trivia the awful trivia game on the Lion King and then also the yeah, it just connected okay. to the morning report in my head. Well for me in DVD games I gotta shout out the Scene It series which was like movie trivia and it would play a scene and you would answer questions about the film. But now, players, here we are. And Dan, can you tell us the rules? Sure. Opener. Read the rules completely before starting to play Nightmare. One, creating the perfect atmosphere. Nightmare is best played at night. Dim the lights or design your own eerie atmosphere. Thank you, Katie. Just dim the lights for us. The volume on your TV must be turned up as loud as possible <laughs> to maximize the gameplay. I don't think that's that doesn't stand up to scrutiny. To maximize the gameplay. You must maximize your gameplay. Unless like eardrum damage is the gameplay. The VHS tape has been recorded in hi-fi, and if your video machine has a hi-fi switch, ensure that it is on. If your VCR is connected to a stereo system, use your system for additional sound. Ooh. The object of the game. Nightmare is a board game controlled by a videotape. Once you insert the tape in your VCR and press play, the game begins. It is a race against time and against the game's host, the gatekeeper. Once you press play, you cannot pause or rewind the tape. The gatekeeper considers it cheating and wins the game by default. The aim of the game is to collect all six of your character's keys and then race to the center of the board, the Nightmare Square. You must land on the Nightmare Square by exact roll. Wait your turn and attempt to roll a six. When you roll a six, take the top nightmare card. If it is not your greatest fear, race to the VCR machine and press stop to win. Once the tape reaches 60 minutes, the gatekeeper wins. Setting up nightmare. Players should be seated in a semicircle facing the screen. That's us. We got Brian, then Katie, then Will, then me. Sort, shuffle, and place the time, fate, and chance cards. There's three types of cards in this. Time, fate, and chance. It's a lot of time cards. What is the difference between fate and chance, I wonder? Well, fate is like a predetermined destiny. Chance is like a arbitrary non-destiny or something. I don't know. In the words of Merlin in the TV movie from 1998, time's arrow points in one direction only, Dan. We only we fear. only experience things uh, one way, one time. So who's to say if we have free will or if there is any kind of branching decision tree or if it's all, in fact, Calvinist predetermination? Well, that is, in fact, my greatest fear. So fits well with this game. Each player should take a nightmare card and on the blank side, using the marking pencil, write their greatest fear. Semicolon, spiders, snakes, heights, etc. Do not reveal your fear to the other players. Collect, shuffle, and place these cards on the center face down. The nightmare cards can be erased and used over and over again. <laughs> Should we decide that we need to play this game over and over again? For listeners, this game is in pretty good shape. This specific copy of the game that I got from eBay. Listeners, if you go to the Goods Film Podcast Dot com. You'll find a link to join our Discord if you haven't already. And we'll be posting some photos of us playing this game 
on the Discord. And Brian will post some other multimedia as well. That's right. Another goods adventure recently was we we toured the Titanic experience at National Harbor, Maryland. Yeah, that was fun. We listened to covers of My Heart Will Go On during the ride-in. Me, Brian, and Will went to that. So, Boys night out. Yeah. How serious did you guys go with your greatest fears? Mine's not particularly serious. <laughs> You're welcome to go serious. I'm not going to go that. I'm not going to like, you know, I'm not trying to kill the vibes. <laughs> Pop's ghostly becoming real life. It's hard to fit on one nightmare card. <laughs> An after last season sequel. <laughs> All right, this is an important moment because we're about to choose our characters here. So I am Gavadin. Is that the the werewolf? werewolf? That's who I was going to pick if it was a draft. So I'm pleased with the outcome. And I'm number six out of six. So I don't know what that means, but I'll find out. Oh, I'm and the Chantrain. So you're the witch. So is that the witch? I thought it was the vampire. Elizabeth Bathory is the oh, vampire. Oh, okay. Helen. The poltergeist. And for those of you who don't have the guide in front of you, Helen is spelled H-E-L-L-I-N to indicate that they are in hell. Okay, and I am Khufu, the mummy. Okay, <laughs> we all have our characters. Place your playing piece on the gravestone marked with your character's name. You, if you are Helen, place your piece on the gravestone marked Helen. Okay, that, that was a helpful clarification. This becomes your gravestone, and you should watch it throughout the game. For if an opponent lands on your gravestone, you may have fate cards or keys which can be used against the player. Hold on. I thought we were going against the, the gatekeeper. The timekeeper. What's his name? The gatekeeper. No, it's competitive cooperative. Everybody, the gatekeeper can beat us all, but... We also need to independently win. It's like blackjack. We're all against the dealer, but we can't, you know, we can all independently win. Each key gives you a specific power. And the more keys you collect, the more powerful you become, just like real life. (laughs) (laughs) Just on the subject of growing power, one of my favorite ever gauntlet lines is we did an episode that was a documentary after the first 30 episodes and uh, interviewed the different cast members. And Teddy of Buzzed On Movies was talking about how by this point in the show, he had become Santa Claus. And part of his lore was that there were many Santa Clauses. And he said that he was at war with the other Santas and would consume their hearts to absorb their power. (laughs) With a straight face. And and every time I consume a Santa heart, my powers grow. And I do intend to become the king of the Santa Clauses. (laughs) All right. The black hole. There are two black hole spaces on the board. If you land on a black hole or if you are banished to the black hole by the gatekeeper, you cannot participate in the game unless you are specifically called upon by the gatekeeper. E.g. the youngest, the oldest, the chosen one. (laughs) Who's the chosen? By the way, the black hole in the game is just a little ditch, is what it looks like. <laughs> I mean, it is black and it is a hole, but normally when you call something a black hole, there's a little more to it than that. How to play and win Nightmare. Here it is. How to play it. <laughs> Each player starts the game with his character on the gravestone, moves clockwise. I'm so bad at clockwise. I did, I, Dan, I just did. I literally just did that. Will right. is showing us. Why? He's doing it wrong. I did it. Okay, okay to be fair, 
clockwise is the other way around if you're standing inside the clock. Yeah, I'm clearly, I'm, sta- I'm the chosen one. I'm standing inside the clock. <laughs> the oh. aim of the game is to collect all six of your keys. Only when you have all six of your keys can you leave the outside trail of stones and begin making your way to the nightmare square in the center of the board via one of the four paths in the middle. When you have landed on the nightmare square, you must wait your turn and then try to roll a six. Once you have rolled a six, take the nightmare card from the pack. If it is not your greatest fear, race immediately to the VCR machine and slap the stop button. (laughs) However, if it is your fear, you are out of the game. (laughs) If you share the same fear as another opponent, you're still out of the game, buddy. Oh, no. Remember, Nightmare is a race against not only your opponents, but also the Gatekeeper. And if the timer reaches 60 minutes, he has won the game. The Gatekeeper hosts the game, in scare quotes. If he calls your number... Are you scared, Dan? A little bit. If he calls your number or your color or catches you just about to have a turn, you must answer out loud, Yes, my Gatekeeper. (laughs) And then listen carefully to the task set upon you. If you fail to answer him in time, he can become extremely angry. So always answer his questions immediately. How is he going to (laughs) know? The gatekeeper will also call for the youngest player, young one, or the oldest player, old one. I feel like this is a distinct disadvantage, or maybe advantage, I don't know, for me and Will. Because I'm the oldest and Will's the youngest. Yeah. If he wants to know your middle name and you don't have one, use your surname. What? <laughs> so he's like, hold on, I don't, I don't have a middle name. Maybe like... it's good to fly under the gatekeeper's radar. Players can only move around the board when the gatekeeper is not on screen. When the gatekeeper appears, everybody must stop and listen carefully to what he says. Because if you miss something, you cannot pause or rewind the tape. Yeah, it's wow. cheating, according to the gatekeeper. Yeah. You automatically lose. <laughs> Now turn the lights down, turn the volume way up, and press play. <laughs> uh, we're not going to do max volume because there's two sleeping kids in this house. Yeah. Okay, here we go. Sorry, I can't hear it. Can we turn the volume to maximum? <laughs> no, you can turn a little no. up. Oh, it's PG rated. <laughs> Why is this a child? Because it's scarier. play the game. Yes, gatekeeper. I came by my rules. The gatekeeper! (laughs) (laughs) I rule this game. You have all been stained with a color and marked by a number. That's gotta follow you. This accent that he's got. A bad TV accent. I said it in time. You did. This makes me think of the Potion Master, Brian. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the one who holds the key. 
Yes, my gatekeeper. You will be the first. Okay. To roll the die. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here we go. Three. Three. Clockwise. Take a key if you are five. I am six. All right. Five. Right. And you can't go up the middle path until you got yeah. all your keys, right? Right. One, two. Me. Yes, my gatekeeper. If you fail to answer yes, my gatekeeper in time, you must roll a six before you can play again. Well, luckily I did. Like, that was it? This <laughs> okay. accent reminds me of, of Palpatine from, uh, from <laughs> would, the prequel trilogy. I was going to say he's the guy in the sketch of I Think You Should Leave at the focus group. You know, oh, oh, my my god, god, oh my god, he admitted it. Oh my god, he admitted That guy. Anyways. If Helen lands on my gravestone, <laughs> I toss a coin. I also get to do that if Helen lands on my gravestone. Oh, wait a second. <laughs> I am <laughs> That's Helen. You. Oh, it's my turn. And the Chantrain. Hey, what up? You have my digs. Dad, do you have... Uh, no. Okay. So far, one person has one key. Uh, I've landed on Gavendalon. I don't know. Man, we are going to look such the fools if the gatekeeper wins yeah. this. <laughs> <laughs> That. Jesus! Brian, uh, me ask my gatekeeper. Brian. Brian. Bradley. Terrell. That is a stupid name. <laughs> Pick up the dice and roll it. Okay, two. What number did you roll? Two, my gatekeeper. There are 26 letters in the alphabet, and you have rolled one of the first six. Letter would that be? B. <laughs> <laughs> B. If that letter is in your middle name, you will miss the number of More than a sixth of the way through the time, and two of us have one key each. Chosen one. What are you saying? Turn is it? You have to answer. answer. If he calls for the chosen one, you need to answer now. You're chosen one. Henceforth. All right, great. You, the one whose turn it is next, answer me. Okay. Yes, my gatekeeper. Pick up the dice. Now, roll it. What number did you roll? Six, my gatekeeper. Six. Roll it again. 
Okay. Two. What number did you roll this time? Two, my gatekeeper. No. Roll it again. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yes, my gatekeeper. Lucky. Five. Give me the number. Five. No. And all three numbers you rolled together. Six plus two plus five is thirteen. If the total is more than twelve, yes. Receive a key. Hey! <laughs> well, good work. Three. Oh, I'm in the black hole. Oh, First game oh, in the black hole. Oh, you, the one whose turn it is next, answer me. Yes, Mikey. <laughs> Tell me. Who would you like to see banished? Dan. Which one of your opponents? It's Dan. <laughs> you real think real hard about that one. Dan. That player is banished to the black hole. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're black. Oh man, I gotta go to the black hole. How do you get out of the black hole again? There's a spot, and there's a couple of things you can get. Yes, my gatekeeper. You're going to wish it was a shit. Roll the dice. One, my gatekeeper. What number did you roll? One, my gatekeeper. That is the number of turns you are going to miss, you maggot. Wow, you maggot. You banished. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) You banished. It's too bad I already have a Halloween costume. <laughs> I'm not, otherwise, I'm definitely would be the gatekeeper. <laughs> I'm going crazy right now. Will is currently the only player playing the game. Where the rest of us are banished in the black hole by the jackass gatekeeper. <laughs> oh, don't let him hear you say that. Dad. Is, is, Kufu, right. is Kufu in this game? I'm Kufu. Right. Okay. Did I scare you when I screamed, Brian? I mean, I was ready for somebody to scream. So. Okay. Well, if I scared you, then I get all of your time cards. <laughs> oh, well, good strategy. But I... I um, no, no scare? No, really. Okay, no scare. But I a second key, so... Where's the coin? Right there. If it's tails, I take your time cards. <laughs> you get one for 59.45. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> Dan, answer him. Yes, my gatekeeper. Roll a six to play again. Six! Going. All right. Do I move? Uh, Yes. I guess. One, two, three, four, five, six. One, two, three, chance. The worst card in the game. Who's dead? Is it now? Answer me. Me, Brian. My gatekeeper. Yes. I also bet you cannot roll your number to receive one. A two? Um, oh. Roll the dice. Okay. What number did you roll? Four, my gatekeeper. Is that your number, little maggot? No. He's throwing the maggot. If it's not, you're banished! No! You're not! You're banished! I need that as my, uh, <laughs> like, my, uh, texturing time. <laughs> to play with the old one now. 
The old one, that's me. Find out who is the oldest. The oldest. The one you all pity. Yes, my gatekeeper. Who is the old one? Answer me. Yes, my... Yes, my gatekeeper. I'm Card. I take all your theme cards and I have a message for you from the gatekeeper. He says, don't waste time reading this old maggot. (laughs) 20, go! 24. 26. 31. 4, 4, 4. Yes! 31 plus 4 is 35. Thank you, gatekeeper. Are you? Okay, yeah. Um, Pretty good. You give me all of your time cards. <laughs> okay. Oh, man. But I, can I, do I finish my turn now? Yeah. Three, four, five, six, time card. All right. Yeah! You have six keys. I have six keys. I have six keys. So that means that when you get to the branch, you can go towards the middle, right? Yeah. Six. What is this music? Two, three, four, five, it's like six. it knows that you've got okay, six. Okay, I'm on an X. I get. I. I, I didn't move my thing. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Like a keeper. Look at me. I do not turn away from I'm you. I'm looking at you. I'm staring. Not prepared for this. I'll take a key from you. The, oh, the flickering is pretty rough. I'm watching you. I see you. I, I can't. The, the flickering is bad. It makes me want to blink. How is he still there? I don't know. It's pretty rough. Can I play while this is going? No, I need to move my thing. I think I rolled a six. Somebody move me. What, what, what is this? Is this what number is this? Six. This is devastating. This is brutal! He's gotta fade. I'm in the black hole. Do you not have the black hole? Hey! Good job, Will. Do I get anything? No, you just don't lose a key. Great. Well, I guess that's good. Alright, I'm getting close to the finish line. Wait, one I need way. to land on it. Yeah, so I need to roll a one. Roll one next time. So, I'm listeners, I'm on the final track. I'm one square away from Nightmare. It's all up to Dan. Dan's our hope. One! I'm on the Nightmare Square. Okay, so you dropped so that card, right? No, I need to roll a six now. Let's draw it. Alright. Two. Who needs oh, to roll a two? You do. You're good. Okay. If I roll a six, I can take my Nightmare card. Alright, so if I draw my fear, then I lose. And if I draw any other fear, I win the game. Good. 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 Boredom! That is not my greatest fear. I am the winner? Is there, do I get a thing? What does it say? What are the terms? Race immediately to the VCR and press stop to win. Slap stop, Dan. Okay, so we won with what? Five minutes left? Four minutes left? Yeah, yeah. So do we want to hear what the gatekeeper says if he wins? The game itself is not particularly... Uh... Yeah, I don't know if this is worth $60, but... The, video. the gatekeeper is, is good. Uh, this was the perfect way to play, honestly, listeners. Well, you're going to have to join our Discord and see the pictures that we post, but we've got the little CRT and the VCR up on top of our game table, and it's like life-size gatekeeper head, pretty much.
It would be larger than life on a bigger TV, but we got just the right size. So tomorrow you're going to be driving in your car or something. You're going to think, you are better than me. Oh, and you sniveling maggot. <laughs> you're so you smell much older than you are. That was a pretty good burn. All right, do we want to watch the Yeah, end? we can oh, see yeah. what happens. All right, so I won, but we're going to go and look at the last bit here. Time card that says a 5959 scream just for the hell of it. <laughs> How many different accents does he have? Is it just the same one? Or is it like. The cards are on the table. I'm erasing the bets. And you are going to play some poker. I think Tommy was though, must be from wherever this guy's from. <laughs> Do you understand life? Do you? You lose all your keys. What? You were going to lose anyway. ending it was just like you lost yeah i feel like you enjoy your nightmare or something like that but we got a little foretaste of the first spin-off game which was nightmare 2 the one focused on baron samedi the zombie which actually came with a promotional music video that i will also drop in the discord so just to recap i won okay <laughs> good work good work oh, any I'm other comment kidding. there yeah dan the werewolf so that was a little more involved than what pops ghostly, I guess. I thought it was fun to play, even though I deemed the board game mechanically insufficient. The best mechanic is the time cards where you have to do things at certain <laughs> times. And there's a huge stack of them. How could there be that many actions to do throughout the game? I and wish they're they were very heavy towards the last chaotic minutes. Yeah. Like there were a ton of. 5945 cards and like 5950 cards and they would just stack on top of each other. So it would say at X time do X thing, but we all had multiple cards in the last minute. Like mine was like scream and if you scare someone take an extra turn. I don't even know if you actually have time to take another turn in those last 15 seconds, 30 seconds, whatever, but yeah, this game lives and dies by the gatekeeper. He really holds it like as Katie said, it's mechanically boring, but the just the the sheer camp coming off of the gatekeeper with his insults and his accent and the way he um really works the camera as he stares into it and it, what was that preposterous 2 minute long staring contest I had with him where I didn't get rewarded? Um your reward was no uh, suffering. I don't know, the gatekeeper is definitely the best part of this game. So I got, uh, I wanted to see credits. Who is, who is the gatekeeper? We gotta know. Oh, so the gatekeeper has a very interesting name. Okay. The gatekeeper was played by the actor... Wenanti Nosul. A, a name worthy of the gatekeeper, I would say. Wenanti Nosul. This dude was all in. This dude was pedal to the metal. 100%. 100% gatekeeper. 
It has an 8.4 on IMDb. <laughs> Wait, is this one on Letterboxd, Brian? Yes. This oh, one yes. is on Letterboxd, so you can log it then. Yes. Unlike Pops Ghostly, which only has an IMDb entry. Uh, on that note, what makes a better standalone experience? If we didn't have this board and the cards and everything, would you rather toss on the Nightmare 1991 VHS or the Pops Ghostly Action Match VHS? Easily Nightmare. Yeah, I mean, there would be long, boring stretches where you're just looking at a number counting. But like if you skipped the clock things and just fast forwarded through to the gatekeeper portions or even just left it on in the background and just had the gatekeepers shouting at you and calling you a maggot every two or three minutes. Definitely uh, would be a fun way to spend a Halloween party or something. Yeah, I think this would be good at like, I can imagine turning this on in like a college party and making some kind of drinking game out of the uh, the numbers system. I could see it probably be pretty easily twisted into a, a game, a good game for like a pregame or a Halloween party, something like that. Yeah, if you had like a projector to show this video on a big wall and just have the gatekeeper's head the size of your wall, that could be entertaining. Menanti No Soul has 14 credits on Letterboxd. How many of them are the sequels to Nightmare? Actually, it, it looks like none of them. Oh. And he directed one film, too. Well, I gotta go look it up. All right, do we want to throw a rating on Nightmare? Yes. Anything else we want to say? So I've already did the talking to our rating scale once today. Um, so one through eight, is Nightmare good? And I'll go first again. And I'm going to say, mechanically, the game was a little off. The time card is fun to shout random things, scream at people at designated times. A few too many things to track, and it just got really dull rolling over and over again. But man, the gatekeeper, MVP, loved it whenever he came on the screen and degraded one of us with these insulting remarks and just the real campy horror lighting from below and green makeup and weird colored lights and he had some like contact lenses going on at some point and just the accent was just, just out of control i'm gonna give the overall experience of five a good i guess that goes to will yeah um i'm in a pretty similar spot the, the game the board game itself is pretty lackluster the chance cards i don't i don't want to get into much detail but they really live up to their name. It's like one in uh one in 36, 35 out of 36 chances. They're not going to do anything. It's, it's, no, it's, if you are such and such a person and your number is such and such. It's not only one in 36 because if it's one out of six and one out of six, you also flip a coin after that. So it's actually one out of 72, whether oh anything God. good happens. And a lot of the fake cards, there's a lot of stuff to keep track of. So the board game itself, not great, but there is something delightfully fun about the gatekeeper that's pretty hard to deny. Um, I'm kind of straddling between a four and a five here. The board game, if you're just looking for a fun, goofy time, I think it's probably a five. Yeah, it's fun, and I would not recommend it to board game enthusiasts, but perhaps gatekeeper enthusiasts, enthusiasts would get something. Yeah, anybody this. who loves gatekeeping, um, this is the game for you. I consider myself a gatekeeper enthusiast after this experience. <laughs> I am curious if they added more mechanics or switched things up in the later games that refined the experience more. And I wonder if the Gatekeeper Edition, the DVD one, is a culmination of everything good about it. But 
Perhaps next year. Yeah, one of the greatest hits. I don't care much about the mechanics. It's just kind of something to do while you wait for someone to come shout at you. I'm curious if the other actors that play the different monsters in the different versions have any of the charisma that, that Mr. Gatekeeper did. Oh, great question. All right, Katie, is Wait, Nightmare good? What was your final rating? My final rating was a five, is what I landed on. Okay. I'm going to go with a four. Not not good. No, that's good-ish. Three oh, good-ish. It's, it's still four. Good-ish. Good-ish, okay. I'm going with a four, good-ish. I think it was fun to play, but I also would not ever play it again. <laughs> and I don't know that I would recommend it to my friends. I think it was funny. And yeah, goodish. Fun to do once. Brian, is Nightmare good? Okay, well, I guess this is also a vibe. I'm trying to picture playing it in 1991 and what that experience would have been like. But I also spent $60 on this. And there is no replay value, which is par for the course with VHS games. I did like The Gatekeeper. I'm actually going to give it a three out of eight. Not, not good. Hopefully this experience has been interesting, listeners. I don't know what it's going to end up turning into, how much of that gameplay audio can be salvaged. Hopefully there's at least a good shout from The Gatekeeper. But I want to thank you all for playing this is one that's been in my mind for a bit, and I finally got all the pieces together. So, you know, this is a, a Halloween game night. Huzzah. Huzzah. It was definitely a fun experience, so I also say huzzah. I did not meet my greatest fear of boredom. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, do we want to share what our, our greatest fears were? Well, mine and Will's were pretty similar. I said dying alone. And I said dying unfulfilled. I said Calvinist predestination. And Katie said boredom. Those are each of our greatest fears. Yeah, as we record this, we're like five days away from Halloween. So we're, we've got the final minutes ticking away. The time cards are flying fast. <laughs> Boo! Ah! If I scared you, I get all of your time cards now. You are banished to the black hole, maggot. Bye, guys.